Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Ken, the CTO and COO at Omatic, and they discuss how Omatic is empowering nonprofit organizations with world class technology, why companies are leading with their mission and culture when competing for the best new recruits, and learning to let go of how something gets done to focus on the outcome. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. But what, what got you into technology? Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I was a computer science major. I actually, when I, I got my master's at Georgia Tech, and after I left Georgia Tech, I went to a, a company. I actually was a, as a software engineer for the very first WYSIWYG word processor. It was called a MePro. Um, it was acquired by Lotus. So I worked at Lotus Development Corporation. And, um, you know, of course, we renamed it later to Lotus WordPro. But, um, you know, after, you know, IBM had acquired Lotus, I went and left and started a, there's a company called Synchrologic. And I was an architect and engineering manager there. It was late, late 1990s, early 2000s. And um, we actually did uh, data synchronization for mobile devices. So we're like way ahead um, of the curve a little bit on that. Um, you know, I was, it was called, it was a company called Synchrologic, I think I mentioned, and, you know, we were the, a survivor of that dot-com bubble, um, which was pretty rough, but, uh, you know, eventually we were acquired, we changed our name to IntelliSync, and then we sold that company to Nokia in 2006. Oh, that's amazing. And then is that when you got involved with Omatic? You know, at that point I, I moved to Charleston and I actually worked at a company called Blackbaud, which oh, yeah. uh, where I was the director of software development for the CRM products, and I did that for about four years. Um, you know, Blackbaud, of course, is the the leading provider of software and services for nonprofit organizations. And um, you know, I did after that. I was there for four years, and then I did two more startup companies. One was called People Matter, and I, and I was a CTO there and the COO. And we sold that to Snag a Job, and then um, there was another company I, I I started, which was called Radioactive, which did software and services for business execution. And then, you know, I've landed Automatic Software as a CTO, and kind of aware of a lot of hats here. Oh, but you're very entrepreneurial as well. Yes, yeah, we've I've had a couple couple successful exits. Oh, I love it. See, there we go. This is great. So, do you know uh, Mary Beth Westmoreland? I do very oh, well. She's, she's great. a very very good friend of mine. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, yes. She she uh, used to live right around the corner from me. Yeah, we live in the same neighborhood. Oh, small world. Yeah, I met her through another guy uh, who knew her name, Peter. He was over at the C2 of Tax Slayer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I met Peter, then he introduced me to Mary Beth, and then she came on the podcast and gave just some awesome like leadership insight and advice. And uh, yeah, it was really, really cool getting to to meet all of these uh, these people. So you, go ahead. Yeah, I was, we're really good friends. You know, of course, she's at Amazon now. Oh, she is. Mm -hmm. Man, Amazon just keeps getting some really great people. Who else went to Amazon? Oh, uh, so David Spitsky was the the first mm -hmm. employee of Alexa, and then he just went over to Amazon Web Services. Yeah. Cool. All right. So then, so then, why why Omatic? Why didn't you found another company? Yeah, I wanted to get back into you know non the nonprofit space. You know, I, I love you know working with um, you know companies that are that are focused on a mission. And and love to be able to help them to you know, succeed in their mission. So you know, really, um, you know, we can do that through here automatic through an integration platform. You know, our our goal is to help them accelerate that mission impact. 
by you know, connecting their systems together. So it was a good opportunity, good growth opportunity, and um, something I was passionate about. Give me some like some some hard stuff that I can chew on and understand. Uh, connecting systems, data for nonprofits, but like you have a specific case study or example of something that you've done for a for a nonprofit. Yeah, you can, um, you know, just to kind of maybe it would help if I go kind of back and maybe discuss some of the differences between nonprofits and for profits and then kind of specifically talk about some of the integration needs. Would that be helpful? Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I want to be kind of careful with generalizations, um, you know, so I want to provide a caveat just because I have some clients that are very well funded. They run great operations that, you know, they have incredible technologists there. And, um, you know, there's sometimes there are large universities, some hospitals, maybe a large institution with sort of a million mile, million dollar annual budget. Uh, you know, I, I like to think, um, you know, but for a, a large portion of them, they have some kind of unique challenges, right? Um, they can't adopt the technology. You know, I, I believe technology is an enabler to help them, you know, and making sure it's integrated into their organizational strategy is important. But you know, for some of them, they can't, and that's because um, you know they're they exist because they have to pursue a mission. So that they're not you know just motivated by profit. They're actually trying to um, you know do good in the world. And so their governance is a little different. You know it can be more program driven. Um, the structure of their staff or administration is different. They have a unique set of uh, corporate law and regulations that are unique for nonprofits. And so you know unlike of that for profit that you know they have they can't reinvest. They have to reinvest their money basically into the mission, and they can't pass those profits on. And so, it creates some challenges. You know, in particular, there are some challenges with money. Um, they have limited access to capital. Often, they face restrictions on how that money is spent. They they might get like a restricted gift to you know that's given by a donor to a certain program. They might receive a grant that restricts a certain percentage that is used for administration. And so these restrictions can make it really difficult for a nonprofit to invest in technology and other products. You know, d- donors demand transparency and accountability how they're spent. You know, they want all that money to go to a cause. And so in you know, the funding sources, the, the policy decision, you know, conditions can change quickly. It can affect organizational priorities, a lot of uncertainty. And so, you know, with 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 your company, you could, you know, you or or my company, we could charge more. We can, we can have a, a service that you can lock people into, but they can't do that. So it creates a lot of challenges of money, which in turn creates challenges for staffing. Um, they're kind of like a small business. So you're having to wear a lot of hats because uh, there's challenges with money. You know, you'll see like an executive director will often be, you know, have a program and management responsibilities have to be the chief fundraiser. You know, I, I deal with office managers that are often responsible for like finances, HR, technology, facilities. They don't have a tech background. You know, hopefully they might have an IT manager. Um, and so then it creates this, this challenge for time. And so they have a very limited, you know, limited staff resources. They're constantly fundraising. They have a lack of investment in administrative systems. And so, you know, I was like talking to a, a, a director of development yesterday who didn't even have time to make an investment in having the staff trained on a system because they're so focused on fundraising. And so technology just gets in away from them. And they're, you know, of course, you know, driven to achieve their mission and they have very limited resources often. Um, you know, the measures of success are often very unreachable, you know, and depending on the cause, you know, they can't just go home, you, you know, like, like a food bank manager. Um, if you've got a line around the other corner, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to serve the folks. And so it can leave the, the burnout. And so they have high turnover. So, you know, given they have these, these staffing challenges, they have these challenges with money and time, 
Um, the other thing that's kind of interesting about them is with a nonprofit, you actually have multiple constituencies. So it, like if I'm like for my company, I typically just have like, you know, one or two buying personas for a customer, but you know, we have a very well-worn customer journey, but you know, it's a little bit more complex for a nonprofit. You know, they have, you know, they might have donors, you have volunteers, I have my supporters, I have visitors if I'm a museum, you know, major gift donors, I kind of have event registrants I deal with, students, alumni, if I'm a higher ed, grateful patients if I'm over in healthcare and so on. So it creates a lot of multiple passive engagement, which often requires, you know, more systems of engagement um, from a technology perspective. And so, you know, ultimately it has a great impact on their ability to execute on, on a technology strategy. You know, they have more systems that they need, they can't integrate, they don't have the technical expertise to, to manage those. You know, even if they did have that expertise, they don't have a lot of time and then they can't spend a lot of money. And so that's really where our product kind of comes into play. And the irony is that they're rolling in data and they got data all over the place that they're collecting and they can't, they can't drive insight. So with our product in particular, it helps be able to connect those systems of engagement to the CRM system. We can help um, you know, clean that data up along the way, make sure it's not duplicated. And so as a result, if you have good data, I can, I can do such a better job of interacting. You know, so much of nonprofits is relationships. And so I want to make sure that all, all my interactions with all the different types of constituencies is going to be a good one. It's going to be positive. I have a good insight. You know, and if I can communicate well and, and, and have that relationship, you know, I'm more likely to retain them as a donor. I can ask for more money. And then, you know, we can really help if we can automate a lot of these, these processes. It helps them from an operational efficiency standpoint. And so that's what our, our product does. So how do you sell it? Is it a, a time-saving thing? It's a re- donor retention? Yeah. You know, when you look at the ROI, those are both those things you just mentioned are really important to the ROI of the system. You know, I would say that, you know, with, with you know, this automation and having good, complete current data and that, that accurate 100, your 360-degree review picture of a constituent, um, they can actually are able to raise more money, right? So they can ask for more money because they have better insight you know, whether through some kind of wealth, wealth ratings, but also certainly retention is important, certainly time savings. And that's, that's really the ROI for the, for the product. Now is Omatic itself a, a charitable organization or? No, we're, we're a for, for-profit company that serves specifically social good organizations. I like it. You know, so I am actually the president of a, a 501c3 uh, and I have very limited experience with it. We basically, my mom passed away and we took her life insurance money. Um, She left us between the three of the siblings, she left us $25,000 collectively. And we were like, well, we could go on a trip together and remember her, we could do something. And at the same time, my wife was pregnant with our first kid. And I said, you know what we could do? We could uh, do children's books, right? And then uh, we could do a foundation and then print these children's books up and uh, that way our kids will re uh, will remember like our grandma right and uh so we went did that right and after it was all done it cost us like i don't know six or seven thousand dollars to like do mm-hmm. it all you know we hired like this great designer that was like a disney artist and everything and uh, we did two books one's called princess physicist uh, it's a princess who gets stuck in a tower, but instead of uh, a man coming to save her, she finds a book on physics under the bed and uses physics to get herself out. That's cool. <laughs> and then back to the moon, which is a little brother and sister who uh, want to go to the moon and to encourage space travel. So we did these two books and we had all this money left over 
And then we were like, what do we do? And that's when we came up with the foundation idea and printed like, I think 10, 10, 15,000 books and then just went and gave them away everywhere, um, which cool. was our first mistake because like, then we didn't have any money to like continue it. <laughs> right. Well, you gotta, you gotta get out there and start fundraising, right? That's right. But then we found um, this cool software called like Anecdote, which I think you probably integrate with, right? Um, but they do like charitable donations online. They have a really nice user interface and we ended up using them and then selling through like Shopify. And so people would buy them on the website and uh, then that generated enough money to like put in another batch of, of orders to, to like keep it going. But through all of that, like, and the reason why I bring this up and I'm talking so much about it is I got to trying to deliver the books to the, the nonprofits, I understand deeply what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Cause I would meet with them and like, or try to set up a time to like give them books or like go to, and then I got to meet with some of the, the people that were running these nonprofits specifically. One was called like alpha house of Tampa. They do, um, housing for uh, homeless pregnant women. Right. And I was like, well, that's perfect for the children's books. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so man, they such a shoestring budget. And so many people doing so many different things. And from the outside, it looks like an amazing operation. And then getting to meet all the, the, the people working themselves to the bone inside to make it reality, it gave me a lot of respect uh, for, for these organizations and how hard they work. Yeah, very hard. Yeah, they're wearing a lot of hats, like you said, you know, limited budgets. They're, they're, they're constantly you know, focused on pursuing that mission. And so some of the operational items get deprioritized, which is unfortunate. I do believe, though, to technologies, it can be a big enabler to help them be successful. So it's, sometimes it's, catch, it's catching that vision. And uh, how did you first like, find out about Omatic? Um, you know, I, I knew uh, people in my network that you know, were, had worked here. They took a couple passes at me, I'll be honest with you. Um, the, the CEO, Dan Kim, you know, we had a relationship, and he tried you know, previously to you know, pull me on board. When I had my own company, and you know, the second time, he 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 convinced me, uh, and I'm I'm really glad I made made the switch. And so, how how is the suite of tools built? Like, help me understand: is this like a consultative concept where like you are patching proprietary systems together, or you have like a suite of integrations and you use those, or a little bit of both? How does that actually happen? Yeah, we would be considered what's called an uh, integration software as a service or maybe an ISAS or maybe even an IPaaS technology. So it, it's really, um, it's in the cloud. It, it connects, you know, cloud systems together. Our wrinkle on it, because of some of the challenge that we talked about, just they don't have a lot of time. Um, they, they don't have a large staff to be able to build their own integration. And so we kind of have pre-built, we, we call formulas for a lot of the common business flows um, that they're, you know, they tend to are going to have to process a lot of, do a lot of gift entry. Um, from these systems. And you talked about some of the, the online systems. You didn't have a lot of great online fundraising systems. Um, with COVID, a lot of stuff went online. Um, there's a lot of um, also peer-to-peer type giving that happens. Um, you know, they're collecting all sorts of information. People are updating their, con- their contact information. So we facilitate a lot of those flows and kind of had have pre-thought some of the challenges um, that you probably don't realize that that occur within nonprofit organizations, like um, you know how how things get you know, how you like soft credit someone um, if you're a you know solicitor or whatever. Um, how to um, you know make sure that the data lands in such a way that it, it's going to be you know linked up correctly, so the, the the you can you can provide the right recognition. 
what did you call that? What, soft credits? What's that? So, soft credits. Yeah, it's just you know where um, you, you know sometimes um, I might get a uh, it does a hard credit which you know like I I, I give. When I give money to someone, mm. I get the hard credit. Somebody can you can also get a soft credit on a behalf. Like you're like um, you have a foundation, right? So we we have a foundation, and um, I get soft credits at my university anytime that 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 foundation gives would be a good, good example. Or uh, you know gives the university on my behalf. Oh, interesting. Do you have any good like real life examples of of problems that you guys have solved for customers? Yeah, you know, uh, there's a couple big problems with um, with data entry. So you can imagine um, if I'm getting, you know, people are updating their contact information. And so sometimes it comes in like all caps. Sometimes it's um, has the, the, the name is misspelled. Um, we, you know, we work very hard to try to make sure that we don't create a duplicate record. So it would be nothing more embarrassing if somebody keys something in wrong for you to actually, you know, if I get, uh, if I want to acknowledge somebody and I get two letters, right, for some activity or, or the name is spelled wrong. We're going to help to make sure that we can we can transform and clean up that data on the way in. Also, make sure that we're not going to you know create duplicates in the in their system of record. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, it's completely that's useful, right? Because then you're not you know if duplicate records are the worst because getting double emailed about donations that's frustrating. <laughs> well, it's it's embarrassing, right? And it's yeah. all it's all about relationships, and they want to make sure. You know, people want to be, feel appreciated, and so you don't really want to, um, you know, have a bad experience for a supporter. And so you've got a whole team of engineers that's helping build out this technology. Yes. Tell me about them. Yeah, they're you know they're um, you know probably I want to say we're in, in the um, twenty to thirty range. I need to go look actually. Probably at this point, um, from from a team perspective, we're growing pretty quick. But yeah, they're 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 a great team. What I love about you know working here, you know, some of them are really you know care about the customer and the mission impact, and that's why a lot of us you know have have come to join here. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, it's gotten hard to recruit these days. I don't know if you, if you talk to other CTOs as you're talking to people. The last couple of months, something really interesting has happened. What happened is everybody went hybrid or they went remote, 100% remote. Because of you know we've kind of learned new ways to work, and so everybody's now competing nationally for talent, and so it was great at first, but now what's happened is that you know all the all the wages have kind of flattened uh, across the board. The cost of switching jobs is is so low now that you know it's really easy to um, it's really hard I should say it's harder to retain folks. Um, you know I call it like the great flattening has occurred basically, and it's really over the last couple months. Someone I heard say that you know the war for for talent is no longer about compensation as a result, but it's about culture. You know, I, I would say probably culture is probably overused sometimes. That word, um, it's probably lost a little bit of meaning. But and I'm not even sure it's if that's all is that exactly right. I'm not sure if it's really all about culture. I, I would say um, you know there's this. You ever hear this word? Uh, there's a Japanese word called ikigai. You ever heard that term before? Uh, no. No, yeah. And so uh, it, it means a, a reason for being, or it's it's a concept of having sort of um, you know direction or purpose in life. And um, you know, working here, especially for me, is the intersection of, of ikigai. It's it's what I love to do. It's what I'm good at. It's what the world needs, and it's what I can get paid for, right? And so if you kind of hit that. You know, you're gonna, you're ultimately gonna retain people. You know, people long for purpose. You know, they they need a reason to get out of bed. And that's ikigai. And so, what I love about 
my team here is that we have that right we have because because of the nature of the work that we do we get to use you know uh, you know cutting edge technology we can, we can pay them be able to to help these incredible organizations pursue their missions and you know so it's 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 needed by the world to make the world a better place and you know we're good at it so it it really is a good team and i i really love the people i work with yeah, I like that concept. I haven't thought about it much, uh, what you were discussing with the the great flattening. It makes sense, though. If everyone's remote, then it becomes a, it's flat. And then people can switch easier, too, because they can just, you know, plug their systems right in. I mean, I'm a, I am wrote software for 17 years. <laughs> like, yeah. If you want to move projects, it's not much harder to move projects outside of a company than it is within a company. Like, you can just set up your environment and go. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, you, you put your resignation notice in. I'm in. I'm in my my home office. I unplug. Right. I send my computer in the mail. I get a new computer in the mail. I'm in my same office, and I start working on Monday in my new job. Yeah, that's what happens today. Yeah, and you're exactly right too. Like, I, I get the salary thing there, and I think it'll it'll fluctuate based off of like where they're at in their career too. But uh, once you get to the top of like a pay grade for a position, then it's really about who you're spending your time with and and how those people behave, right? Because the the work is the work. So, and I'll tell you too, with you know, with some of the even younger generations that they wanna they wanna make a difference in life, right? They wanna pursue their passions. They wanna pursue you know, making the world a better place. And it, it, that message resonates so well. They, they're looking for purpose. They're longing for purpose. And so it's important that you, and what they do matters. And so it's, it's great that we can provide that automatic. Do you think that the generation before didn't have that or just wasn't as connected with technology so we didn't see it or was it not there? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it, it seems like it shifted. I guess, you know, I've been doing this now probably what, how long? Over thirty years, I can't even tell. Thirty years, I guess. Yeah, it, it's 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 shifted a little bit. There was a, there was a little bit of a more of a focus, and again, this is a generalization, but a little bit more of a focus on on making a profit and making it big and being a part of a unicorn and all that. And so it there's a little bit of a shift, I would say. That is true. Yeah. What about before that? Go back to like your dad and stuff. What was it like then? Oh, my dad worked for the government. He told me to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, uh, uh, he thought, can work for yourself. That's what he always told me. <laughs> oh, man. But you guys have a good mission. So you must be uh, helping those people get to their, you know, their, their sweet spot in life. Yeah, actually, we have a, a, a company goal. So we, we use objectives and key results here. But our overall goal, we have a target mission impact index that we track. So we got a number. You know, we, we're shooting for this year of how much mission impact that we're going to do, and that's based off of the some of the, the ROI calculations that we talked about earlier. That's pretty interesting. How do you? Is it in a spreadsheet? Is it up on the wall? Where is it at? Yeah, it's 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 online, of course. You know, a lot of yeah. the stuff that we do now has to be online. But yeah, we have a a running total that gets up updated, and it's really you know heavily dependent upon you know the more transactions and the more records that we can process, really ultimately drive that number up. Nice. And that's pretty motivating for the team there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about leadership. I want to, I want to hear like what your personal style is or what your personal approach to leadership is. Yeah. You know, I would say it would tend to be a little bit more servant leadership. Um, I, I will tell you that I adjust my leadership style 
you know, depending on the, on the person and depending upon the circumstance, right? So there are, are times when um, it requires me to be a little bit more of a facilitator, right? And to, to sometimes get out of the way and kind of help let them be succeed. And, and especially with, with people who are just, you know, high motivation, you know, they have a high ability, you, you tend to get out of, of their way and let them, you know, make a difference. Uh, in some cases, though, th- there are some opportunities where you, you need to be more in a supporting role, you need to be a little more more oriented in, in, in training because as they're developing and they're growing in their career. So I'm going to invest a lot in, in, in those folks and, and, their, and do a lot of mentorship with, with folks in the organization. Um, and then sometimes, you know, it has to be a little bit more directing when, you know, there is, you know, someone could be at, someone could be at harm. So if the company's at harm, you know, if there's, um, if there were to be a security issue, if, if um, someone's career could be in jeopardy, you, know, you tend to be a little bit more directing. And so I'll, I'll vary my style depending upon that, but, you know, very, have, you know, core, core set of values that, you know, I, I'm going to be trying to be very consistent with, you know, we actually, when I got here, and I've been here about a year and a half, um, we actually adopted modern agile as our values, interestingly enough. So, you know, keeping safety a prerequisite, you know, we're going to ex- experiment and learn rapidly, deliver value continuously, and we want to make people awesome. And all that's going to really drive customer impact. And um, so we try, you know, very hard to uh, kind of live out those values and, 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 and try to encourage others to live out their values. I like that. And so when new engineers, come into the team, like younger engineers, like the next generation, do you meet with them? Do you talk with them or is, or no? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sometimes in the, in the, even in the recruiting process, I'll, I'll, I'll get involved. I'm actually, um, you know, right now the head of talent too, um, <laughs> is one of my, one of my responsibilities. So, you know, HR reports through me, but I, you know, so I'm heavily kind of involved in the, re- the recruiting processes, but yeah, I like to, I like to meet with everybody who comes on the team, especially now that we're so disconnected. Um, not everybody's back to the office and, and then we're also spread all over the place now. So actually multiple times, yeah, multiple time zones. And so I'll meet with, with, with folks to, to kind of, um, you know, talk with them, see how they're doing. Uh, I, you know, do regular check-ins as well. Nice. Nice. Yeah. We, we were mostly in the office before COVID. Now we're all over the country because we doubled our employees through the past, you know, year, but, and then no one's coming in the office except for me. I'm here in the studio. <laughs> so, but one of the, the things that we were having trouble with is, like really understanding the leadership capabilities of our different people, especially when you can't be around them all the time, right? And so we were trying to figure out like, all right, how do we better understand where they're at today so that we can you know, use them to their, their fullest potential and then train them? Because as you were saying, like everybody's a little bit different. They all need a little bit of a different focus and they all have different strengths and weaknesses. And so I went out on a journey to try to figure this out and, uh, yeah, I found all these different like leadership assessment things. Have you had any luck with any of them? Yeah, you know, I'm, I referred to what's called leadership for results is what we're using. Um, you know, we have an executive coach that we use here that um, that we roll out, and then also we use other processes from a talent talent management perspective to um, you know kind of make sure we look for people and attract the right folks up front. Uh, making sure that they're kind of aligned with the values that we have here. Um, and then you, you have to be intent. I mean, ultimately like everything you have to be intentional, right? So we, we, you know, every quarter you get, you kind of need to make sure that, you know, with every, every single person in the organization, you know, what do you, what are you doing to help them? What, what kind of goals are we setting for them to be able to grow in their career? 
um, especially if, when you have folks that are earlier in their career, they're, they're looking for career paths. They're looking for opportunities to, to, um, to grow. And so you have to be able to provide those as a manager. And so we review, we review everybody in the organization. We're looking to see what the plan is to kind of help, you know, kind of take them to the next level to be able to you know, achieve their dreams here at Amatic. So they'll stay. Nice. Nice. That's actually really interesting. Uh, I was curious, like if you were to design like the perfect leadership program, what would the most important thing be? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, th- I think there's a, probably a lot of good frameworks out there. I'm not sure if any of them are perfect, but I, ultimately, I think it, it, it's it's going to be tailored to the individual. I think you're going to really going to have to ultimately be able to assess um, people's people's skills and their competencies. There are some things that are just very hard to change, and you and you shouldn't try to try to change the hard things to change. Right? You want to you want to help them be able to maximize where their, their particular strengths are, because you can, you know, there's a lot of effective leaders and they, they have a, a, they come from a, they have a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different skills and competencies. And so it's, it's helping them kind of maximize those, helping them kind of realize those and grow as a leader. Um, we like, I like leadership at all levels. So we do leadership, we do, we make a leadership training available to, you know, a, a large portion of the organization and, and it's really helping them to, um, you know, to be able to act in a very uncertain world, Right. And to be able to go forward, you want to make sure that um, we have the right safety nets along the way, so we don't blow our leg off. But you know, I, I think it's really, I think it has to be ta- individually tailored. Good leadership programs individually tailor um, to people's strengths. I like that, and this is what the leadership for results does. Um, that that's one aspect, you know, that, that it, it highlights. Oh, interesting. Well, well, I didn't find anything, so I went out and hired an organizational psychologist and built something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, 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 it, it comes from our coach. We have a we have a coach that that we use. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. Uh, really, do you recommend them? Is are they like full time or? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're full time. Yeah, I, man, I've been so interested in like learning about what these, you know, how the coaches work and what they're doing and what their problems are and what they're experiencing because you know that's the root of this podcast is raising up the next generation of leaders and the and the more smart people I can connect with on like growing leaders, the better, right? It, what you what you find eventually is you'll you'll create you know a network or a tribe of folks over time. I have people here who work with me at three different companies. That is super important. Yeah, and so yeah. it's it, it's a speed of trust, right? They they we've we've come to learn uh, each other and and you know understand what the expectations and what the standards that we have to operate at are, and so it just makes things go a lot faster. So it's great to have, it's great to work with with people that I really enjoy being around. Yeah, and do, and do great, do an incredible job. Well, you get to success faster too. Mm-hmm. You've got me thinking a lot in this interview, Ken, <laughs> <laughs> because that's like one of the reasons why I keep doing better and better with each subsequent company as I keep finding great people on every project, and then I just bring them with me. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the idea. I mean, ultimately, you know, you you got to have people if you want to be operationally excellent at anything. You got to have operationally excellent people. So what's, what's the most impactful leadership lesson that you've ever learned? Uh, you know, I, I would say early on, I, you know, I used to, I have an opinion, I, you know, on everything. I'll be honest with you. I have, you know, very particular ways. I, I tend to want to control things and I, and I had to learn to let go of that because that doesn't, that's not helpful all the time. It's not going to help people grow. Sometimes I'm wrong. 
right? And so I think that what's most important for me, I had to eventually let go of how the how we do something, and and really start to focus more on the outcome. So when I become more outcome based, like the, ultimately this is the outcome we're trying to achieve, you know, here's let me help you, or um, let me get out of the way for that. But if you this this is the outcome that we kind of agree upon, if we can agree upon outcomes, then um, you're just gonna your team is going to be much more successful. I like that outcome driven. Yeah. So you know, like this has been a, a a thing for us here. You know, we've really we we don't want to just focus on the activity. We we really want to focus on the outcomes. And you know, we do that with our goal setting, especially. You know, at first when we set goals here, they used to be activity driven. It's not about getting the thing done. It's about the customer outcome that you're you're driving. So that's been a that's been a, a pretty big culture shift for us over time. What's the outcome for this interview? Do we have people that are going to go sign up for Omatic? <laughs> That's a good question. The, the marketing team probably has a number of outcomes for this. They'll probably reuse this content to be able to generate leads. I do have outcomes because I, I want to get the word about how great of a place Amatic is. So my outcomes would be, um, you know, the number of people who probably interact with with this, such that it would increase our funnel of candidates since we're hiring. So how do people find out more about the jobs you're hiring, your company, your culture? Where do they go? Yeah, just go right to our website at amaticsoftware.com. Cool. Uh, can we talk a little bit about some personal stuff? I'm just curious. Sure. Like, what's the family like? What's your what's your home life like? Yeah, I'm I'm about three months away from empty nesting. So, oh man, I'm almost I'm almost there. I got I got um, uh, two sons and a, and a daughter, and uh, my, my my oldest son has has graduated. He actually is um, a software engineer. Actually, he's a DevOps engineer. So he got his 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 job and he's he's doing really well in that. Um, my my other son is at in school and he's a mechanical engineer. He's soon to graduate, and then my daughter is about to go to go to college. Incredibly uh, sharp student, um, you know. I anticipate she'll be very successful. So I'm nearly there. Um, you know, we we I've already moved to my retirement spot here in Charleston. <laughs> so I can't wait to um, you know. Well, you know, of course I spend a lot of time with my wife, but we get to spend even more time together. Yeah, it'll be a whole different dynamic. You're gonna get an RV and just travel the country. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I don't know if I love the drive. <laughs> we we do a lot of staycations here. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's and you're in a beautiful place too, by the way. That's like and there's a lot of good food there. Actually, I have one of our team members is located there too. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. 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 Eating and drinking is a is our sport here in Charleston. Yes. <laughs> Uh, what type of technology are the kids into these days? In my children, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Chris is, um, you know, he's working on a project, but he um, he's using AWS. You know, they're they're actually doing um, a big project to migrate um, and our folks over into the cloud. So he he's helping with that transition over to AWS. Oh, nice. So he didn't he didn't come work for dad. You know, he did an internship with me. Oh, and so he he actually did a lot of work. On, on that platform, which probably got him the job. Nice, <laughs> nice. There you yeah. go. I, you know, he he when he was a little guy, he you know I had him on like uh, we would do like summer projects, and he had a um, I would put him on Unity. You know what Unity is? Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, which is the the gaming platform. So he built his little 3D game, and and so he you know he learned Python early on. He learned you know Java pretty early on JavaScript. No, actually Node. So yeah, he he's he's he was proficient in high school. Before he went to college, and he, of course, he got his computer science degree. Nice, you did a good job. It's so important to build these structures around these. I'll tell you what, I'm a new parent because my kids are like four and two, right? 
But in the past four years, I'd say my maturity level has just skyrocketed and I have such a great understanding of human behavior by watching it start from the beginning. Yeah. I, you know, I've learned a lot. You talk about leadership. I've learned a lot about leadership, just <laughs> having to raise the kids, right? You, you, you learn um, along the way what it takes to, you know, as a parent and you can apply a lot of those lessons um, into the workplace for sure. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.